Imagine pedaling a bicycle from one end of the state of Connecticut to the other. Now imagine pedaling a bicycle from the northwest coast of the USA to Musquamacut Beach in Rhode Island. I've got a guy this morning in the studio who has done just that. I'm pleased to have Bill Penn from Andover here today, who finally wrapped things up in late July by sticking his bicycle wheel in the water at Musquamica to wrap up that nearly 4,000-mile journey coast to coast. Bill, good morning. Thanks for joining me today. What was your inspiration to want to ride your bicycle all the way across this glorious nation? Good morning, Wayne. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, well, I've done a few, a handful of back bikepacking trips with my scouts over the years. We did four, four, did four of them, each one about 300 miles. And I'm an avid cyclist, and it's one of those things you hear about, read about. And one of my friends, actually my companion on this trip, had done it solo in 2012. So now that I'm retired and have the time, I was like, oh, how do I fill this, fill this time? And it seemed like a, a good challenge to try. Tell me about your companion on the trip. He's not here today because, well, he's farther east across the big pond. Yes, uh, my friend Ian Mather uh, is from England, lives in England in South End on Sea. And um, we met 20 years ago today, this summer, at a scout camp up in, up in Vermont. And uh, that was his first year coming to the USA. And he um, was touring around New England, and we happened to end up at this scout camp together. And um, he was adopted by our troop essentially and we be, we've been friends for the last 20 years and he's frequently come to the USA to cycle or to spend time with he's done all those bike packing trips I talked about with our scouts he's joined us on those now the people who were big into biking they would like to know what you use for equipment what were you riding across the country um I rode a Trek 520 Grando which is a gravel t uh, touring bicycle um I purchased it, you know, bicycle supply was really hard to find the last uh, the last three years ever since COVID hit, and um, they went flying off the shelves. And I was fortunate to be able to find a, a, a bike. I was, there was a couple models I was looking for, and that was one of them. And I found one in Connecticut, so I, I grabbed it just over a year ago. And I did the geography of what you did, and it looks to me like you selected a place to depart on this ambitious journey about as far north and west in the USA as you can go, because not too far north is Canada, British Columbia. <laughs> so tell me about the town that you put your bicycle wheel in the Pacific Ocean to start this journey. Well, the original plan, this, this thing has been planned for three years, and we know what happened in 2020. So um, I did change, the plan morphed to this, let's ride the Great America Rail Trail across the country. So the Great America Rail Trail uh, starts in this small town of La Pouche, Washington, up in the northern coast area there. And uh, so we flew into Seattle and we went across the Olympic Discovery Trail to La Pouche and dipped our wheels in the ocean there and turned around and started our way east. And then... Um, Plans change or evolve. We found that riding parts of the Great America Rail Trail were difficult because of the surface that was there. It wasn't like the Hop River Trail in Andover, which is very uh, smooth and uh, it uh, has a very hard surface and easy to ride on. We encountered, you know, 
thick sand and gravel, which, especially on a touring bike, made it very difficult to navigate. So we, our plan evolved after that. Does that Great American Rail Trail go coast to coast, or are there some spots that aren't finished? Uh, it's actually approximately 53% uh, developed, so it's a it's a work in progress. It's uh, Most of it is kind of starts, the most developed sections are in from the Cowboy Trail in Nebraska, and it goes to Washington, D.C., so it doesn't extend up this way. So even though that was the plan, my... I was going to ride mainly that and then head back up toward Connecticut area to uh, to complete my journey. Sounds kind of similar to the East Coast Greenway. It's basically Maine to Florida. There's signs even on the local trails here that say Maine to Florida, but a lot of those portions are not completed yet, and hopefully sooner rather than later they will be. Now, you talked on the Hop River Trail in Andover, not far from where you live, and <laughs> trust me, I spent a lot of my time on that. One thing I like about it is they are flat. The reason they're flat is because they didn't want the trains going up and down hills. So if there's a mountain in front of it, they just blast it out and make what they call a cut. And if you're above average terrain, they have what they call a fill. So it keeps the trails, the airline trail, the Hop River Trail and other ones pretty level. I imagine they can't do that, especially out west. The Cascades you talked about, later on the Rockies. So... It's not exactly flat. Aren't you going up a pretty good incline to get over those mountains? Um, when we were on the roads, yes. The, 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 um, the trail itself, the Great American Rail Trail, they do, I mean, they, trains cannot physically uh, get up certain grades. So they, depending on the size of the train, et cetera, other, other engineering factors. But uh, when we were on the rail trail, it was, uh, it was a reasonable uh, grade to climb. Uh, but we were on the roads a lot also because, like I said, our plans kind of morphed and changed over time. So we did have some um, significant uh, climbs, like one la one lasting 31 miles and uh, going over the Bighorn Mountains. About how many would you go? How many miles would you go on a day? In hilly terrain, it was 55 to 70 miles a day. Um, on the flats, we could go 70, I think our longest day was 92 miles. How about the weather? What was the best weather you saw? Maybe the best weather for cycling. And what was the worst weather you saw? Um, well, the worst is easy, thunderstorms. Thunderstorms scared the heck out of us. Where were those? Um, some of the more severe ones were in Montana. Um, we also had an intense thunderstorm when we were on the Erie Canal Trail in New York. And that's, so that was, those thunderstorms, uh, tornado warnings, we were in a couple locations where there were tornado warnings and that, when you have your plane in airplane mode, you don't get those National Weather Service warnings because we were doing that to save our batteries. But wait a minute, wait a minute. You're on bicycle, not on a plane. When you're <laughs> on the bike, why would your phone be on airplane mode? <laughs> to save the battery. You just because uh, uh, you're out there for you're cycling for anywhere from you know six to nine, ten hours a day, not even counting breaks. That's just cycling time. So to preserve the battery when you're in remote areas and not getting good signal, you just put it in airplane mode to. Uh, conserve the battery now did you just keep on pedaling in these thunderstorms and when there was a tornado warning or at one point do you say we'd be wise to not be a target for mother nature out here we um did both in some areas when we were in montana there was there was really no truly no place to take refuge from the storm so we we pedaled onward uh but like for example the erie canal we 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 crossed the road we looked we saw houses nearby 
which I've done locally also, and went on the road and saw an open barn, open garage, and we took just took refuge in there till the storm passed, and uh, and that's that's kind of how we addressed it. Do you like knock on the door to say, uh, "Excuse me, we're going to be in your barn for a few minutes here, just to let them," or you just walk in and don't tell them? In uh, th- uh, that particular instance, we just went in and looked. Uh, uh, the house was removed, and we just we just went into the barn and figured it's easier to uh, to ask forgiveness and permission. Okay, speaking of weather, and these are summertime weather events for the most part, thunderstorms, tornadoes, although they can happen, I guess, any time of the year. But did you specifically plan your trip at this time of the year? Because, well, on one hand, it's one thing to pedal when it's hot. On the other hand, you go in the wintertime and there's cold and snow. So this was the uh, better of the two options. Yes, and I, the timing was partially based on my friend's experience in 2012 when he crossed the country because actually he got uh, snowed on twice in Yellowstone and also in the Bighorn Mountains. So he had uh, uh, very uh, hit, hit significant issues with the with the snow and that. So I pushed it back. So I planned this a couple weeks, two to three weeks later than his uh, original original trip was scheduled. Speaking of Yellowstone, and I've been to 46 states, but I've not been to Yellowstone, but that was pretty much a highlight of your trip, wasn't it? Tell the people, give a little background of what makes Yellowstone so special. Um, one thing is the, the, the vastness. It's just we're, we're, we're cycling in, and, and part of it, is, I think, was the cycling experience, just going past things at 10 to 12 miles an hour instead of, 40 to 60 the speed speed limits along the roads or what cars are traveling along the roads there you really can appreciate the landscape uh, not just Yellowstone but anywhere but in Yellowstone it was just amazing seeing seeing the bald eagles seeing seeing the the, the bison and just uh, seeing all those things and um, I think it was amazing that you know 151 years ago our our leaders in this country had the uh, had the foresight to preserve that land for us to enjoy now even 151 years later how about bears can the close encounter with bears uh no oh uh, no we did have an encounter in montana not in yellowstone but in montana as we we're going down uh this route the olympian trail a bear cub ran across the trail in front of us and knowing that bear cubs are frequently uh, accompanied by their mothers. We, I just told my friend, just keep cycling. Don't don't stop. Just keep going. So that was our sole bear experience. Although we did see bear scat, and uh, we were worried about bears when we were camping in some locations. Bill, what do you do for food? Do you bring your own? Do you just wait until you find a hot dog stand along the way? How do you do it? <laughs> we, um, we carried our food. Uh, lunches were <laughs> – lunches, 90% of our lunches were um, – wraps with peanut butter and honey and maybe a piece of fruit or something like that to 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 accompany it breakfast was in camp when we we were in camp it was the standard camping fare of oatmeal so we (laughs) ate a lot of ate a lot of oatmeal and then do a carbo load uh as much as you as much as you can yes as (laughs) calories uh calories were a a big thing to, you know so when we were picking backpacking meals many times when we had dinner when we were camp it was a backpacking meal we were just looking for what uh, we were looking for ones that had the most calories was was our theme for p- selecting meals for backpacking was it all camping or did you find a marriott along the way uh, we camped about two-thirds of the time it was 
a little disappointed that we were, I was hoping that we'd camp more, but um, sometimes there just weren't campgrounds that are planned ride for that day 70 80 miles or whatever it was uh there was no campground sure of going much longer or much off the route so we hotel then and i'll admit that we were we were weenies at times and we saw the weather was going to be bad that night or whatever we just said eh, we're gonna hotel it tonight <laughs> well on the non-hotel nights you've just gotten done doing 50 60 70 miles and you're out there camping were there a couple of days in this long trip that you guys were a little ripe oh yeah uh that, that was actually early on we didn't uh we didn't have some showering opportunities for a few days uh, after that we st we we had campgrounds and hotels more regularly but the beginning yeah i mean you're wearing you're not packing a lot of different clothes so you're you know we had two outfits for our uh for cycling so yeah you're wearing them two three days in a row before you get a chance to wash them out and you bring us some kind of a rain slicker along to yes keep, yeah. definitely and you're bringing along apparently some kind of sleeping bag sleeping roll you're bringing a tent uh yes sir we each had our own single one person tent so that kind of weighs the bike down but it's an it's necessary evil you got to do it right uh yes it's you try to streamline as much as you can but uh there are certain things that you you need to have and you're apparently carrying some food along because if you're camping at night you can't run out to stop and shop so you got to bring along food from night to night yes we typically carried anywhere from two to five days worth of food depending on where we were and not knowing where we were going to be this the trip was really um it wasn't well well it wasn't planned out like okay here's where we're going to be going the next five seven ten days it was almost like day to maybe two days where we said okay here's where we're going to here's where we're going to are there stores near there uh no we better we, we need to stock up before we go head in that direction did you do any physical fitness stuff a before you started in washington state and B, every morning before you left, you're going to be doing 50-plus miles a day some days. Do you do stretching or simple things like that? And then the, the workout regimen you might have done to get ready for this in the first place. I didn't. I wasn't as well prepared as I would have liked. I, um, I had surgery on my thumb in December, and I crashed on my road bike in March. So I had some uh, issues there with, I, where I couldn't cycle. So... Um, I didn't have a good baseline to to start out so the first couple of weeks were maybe a little more painful for me than uh than i would have liked but once you ride for a couple of weeks your body adjusts you get you you reestablish your baseline and uh uh after that after that suffering you you're okay and you put your bike wheel in the water of Mesquama get to wrap things up on july 30th uh on july 31st how did your body feel what hurt at that point, nothing, nothing hurt, but I did. My, your body does morph. My, uh, you, you, with your earlier question about exercise, you, I should have done a lot more stretching along the way because my uh, a friend who uh, helps me with some of my uh, uh, tr training and the like, she noted right away my uh, my body had taken on this cycling pose where my shoulders are rolled in and all that stuff. And when I, when she saw me the first time after the trip, she goes, "We got some work to do." So uh, could have could have done more more things like that. So I morphed and I lost twenty five pounds in the in the sixty eight days. So that was uh, I I was expecting to lose weight, but I didn't expect to lose uh, that much. <laughs>
We talked this morning with Bill Penn from Andover, who just completed a coast-to-coast ride that began in northwest Washington State, ended up at Musquamacut, going from the Pacific to the Atlantic, and we're delighted to be rejoined by our longtime friend, Cupid biker boy, Ray Aramini, who's done pretty much the same thing. Ray, good morning. We talked with Bill about his route. It sounds like he went a little farther than you did back in 2000 or so when you did your bike for bread. What was the difference between your route and his route? Good morning. Um, His route was more northerly route. It was, uh, from what I've heard, Bill is paralleling essentially I-90, and we were a little bit further south uh, paralleling I-80. And ours was... Ours was a fairly structured, supported ride as opposed to carrying carrying all the supplies and everything else like Bill was. It was a very different type of route, but very uh, for for what we were doing, I think it was the best possible route we could go. And were you riding solo? I know you had our pal Aaron Kupek as like a support guy, a sag wagon kind of guy, but we're, in this case, Bill rode with his, his friend from England, Ian. Were you riding with other people? I had, <clears throat> excuse me, I had a friend of mine that I played college rugby with, uh, John Lucky Adams, uh, bike with me through Utah, and then my friend Neil Mellon um, biked with me from in from Utah into Colorado. He flew out, and him and his wife, and they biked with me that just a day. But other than that, and the last day of biking, that was really pretty much it. Now, going back to Bill, who just finished his coast-to-coast ride, was there ever a time in your ordeal that you said to yourself what was i thinking was this a good idea early on when i didn't have that baseline of miles i was i was questioning my sanity (laughs) i was wondering first of all can i do this and uh i think in that case having a companion was was beneficial in that respect so we didn't like talk about this the fact that i was not feeling not feeling uh so strong but um even though we had many hours of quiet time when we weren't we weren't talking but just having somebody there for me was uh was 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 help was helpful helpful for me and ray did you ever have that what was i thinking moment constantly i still think i have that feelings right now (laughs) what was i thinking um the first morning when we left we were leaving out of the parking lot, you know, you kneel down and you say a prayer and you get up, you get on your bike, you take off out of the parking lot and you take a wrong turn. And you're just like, wow, that, that happened real quick. Um, my hands and my feet got real bad. Um, I had the support of, I had the luxury of the support of the people that were on the road with me. Aaron Kupek, who was, was wondrous, Eric Gamash, who was equally as great, and uh, Barbara DeBriere. Um, from California, who is wonderful, but because of because of the way you you talked about being hunched over, I f- I I don't really have a biker's frame, and so as a result, a lot of the pressure went onto the the palms of my hands, and my hands, even though the shoesmith who were wonderful made me these specialized gloves, made me these specialized gloves, um, I, they I compressed the nerves of my hands and my feet. And it took it took years for that to come back. What is a biker's frame? Uh, something less than two hundred and twenty pounds. I mean, I w- you were talking about losing weight. I I gained weight biking. I was eating about five pounds of pasta a day. I put I put I put weight on. Yes, it was it was absurd. Right. Wow. 
Now, we didn't talk about this, Bill, but you did talk about what maybe hurt after you finished it. But were there times during it, like Ray talked about, where various parts of the body were balking at what you were doing? I had two two unplanned uh, injuries along the way. One where my bike went to tip over and I grabbed it and when I was pulling it back up, I felt something pop in my back. It was like, it was in the morning and it was just like, Oh shucks, or something like that, and I, um, I said, "What, what am I going to do?" And I hopped on the bike and could ride without pain. I just said, "Okay, we ride. We'll see how it goes." And, and did that go away? Uh, after ten days, it went away. But it was uh, uh, day, I, I 11, day eleven. It came back. Yeah, when I, when I cycled, it was fine. But when I moved, sometimes certain ways, I get this spasm of pain. Mm. And then I, maybe making reference to having that, you know, that the hunched shoulders and all that. Uh, when we were in Yellowstone, it was partially due to the cold weather, whatever, or just the, the timing of that was coincidental. But I got a severe neck pain one morning, and I I could barely climb out of my tent. So my companion basically packed up my bike that morning, did everything, put everything on my bike. And I got on the bike, and I said, I can ride without... I mean, my, my turning my head and stuff, I was limited in some of my abilities, but I have a mirror so I can still see. And I said, I can ride without pain. So you just, you just ride and see what life, see what life brings you. And if, it, you know, if I had to stop, I would have had, I would have stopped. Bill, in 2002, I backpacked the Grand Canyon with my pals from Lebanon, Charlie and Jimmy Bender and John and Don Drum. That was pretty intense. That was pretty much my comparison to what you just done. Mine was only five days, and yours was longer than that. So it was hard work during the day. But to me, some of the most special times were at night. Sun goes down. There's no radio down there. A little bit of little bit of AM radio from Oklahoma City and places like that. But you're alone with the stars. There's no noise down there. You couldn't hear animals and things like that. And I'm just making the parallel to what those camping nights were you. Were there some stories about special nights in the middle of nowhere, maybe in the Rockies or places like that, that just were special? We were asleep by 9 o'clock most, night, <laughs> most nights, so we were early risers. So um, To beat the heat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So and, we did. And yeah. we were we, usually done hiking by 1. So... Um, the quietude in certain places, like in, in Yellowstone and, and stuff like that. But when you're paralleling I-90, sometimes you're hearing the, you, you hear the traffic noise in the back. There's one campground I remember distinctly. It's like, oh my gosh, can't believe we stayed here. It was too close to the, too close. It was an RV place, too close to the highway. But uh, it was just special. I like camping. I've been, you know, I was involved with scouts for for over uh, for nearly 30 years, and like and camping is always is always dear dear to me. So just just being out there camping is uh, is a treat in and of itself. Bill, you're talking to an Eagle Scout whose stepfather was my scoutmaster. I know all about it, and we camped most of Southern California is where I camped because that's where I was growing up out there. So I got a <clears throat> parallel to what you're talking about, Ray. He talked about going over a lot of rail trails. What was your primary route when you bike coast to coast? Were you basically driving on state highways, things like all, that? It was all state highway roads, uh, and even some smaller roads than that. Um, and just to make it clear, you can't go on interstates anyway. Can't go. That on was not an option. Right. Yeah. I think I think that you know you're 
Well, Bill's got something. What do you got? <laughs> I was just going to interject. You can out west. You can ride on the interstates. In fact, we did. I've I've done other bike events like week lo- week long tours where I've ridden on the interstate now in um, um, let's see, Ari- Colorado, Arizona, Washington, Montana. Um, is that new? South Dakota. Is that new? I don't know. I don't know how new that is right now. I, I actually at one point did ride and got in trouble. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah. yeah wow. Sure, sure I did. Um, um, well, now, d- do you do that because you have to, because there's no state highways to go on? Because if you give me an option, I don't want to drive on an interstate. It was It was not. We were... Ride on an interstate. We were hesitant at first. Uh, and we got to a point, at one point, it was either go 30 miles out of our way on this... Yep. The road that we don't even know what it looks like if it's dirt gravel how hilly it is or you ride five to ten miles along the interstate okay there's two exits we need to go one or two exits whatever it is and we, we did three. that and it wasn't it wasn't as scary as we thought it may be the, at the wide shoulder um actually if we found the truck or trucks to be very um um Nice to us. They, how was how was the debris on the side of the road? It, it wasn't was bad. It bad, like parts of tires and stuff, because I I got jammed up with that a couple times. It wasn't bad, and on this on this trip, mm-hmm. um, we the roads aren't traveled as heavily as they are here, so there isn't as much as much debris. And the trucks would, if they were in the right hand lane and they saw us and they could get over, they would go over into the left hand lane, so their draft wouldn't That's affect us. Nice. So we were very uh, pleased, surprised, and pleased at how uh, the truckers and other vehicles um, minded us. Bill, when we were talking about your itinerary earlier on, we kind of got as, about as far, I think, as uh, maybe the northwest part of the country, and then we jumped ahead to the Erie Trail and so forth. We did get Yellowstone as well. But I'm curious, okay, Yellowstone to New York, what were some of the highlights and maybe lowlights of that stretch? Um, it was... The stretch was when once we got to Nebraska, once we got through South Dakota into Nebraska, uh, a common road that we actually saw other bike bike uh, uh, tours packers on was a uh, Nebraska Twenty. It kind of parallels the Cowboy Trail, and nobody was riding the Cowboy Trail because I think it's a loose limestone surface. And people we had talked to earlier who had gone were traveling east to west said they didn't ride it, and people we were seeing weren't riding it because it's you lose time you lose time and distance on that two to three miles an hour which over the course of a few days adds up and it beats your bike and it, it beats you up and the bike yeah, very very true race so we uh we kind of at that point we were kind of a little worried about time so we just kind of picked a straight shot across the heartland <clears throat> on back on back roads and trails if they were available and uh one gentleman we t- I was talking we were talking to outside in ohio was saying oh you know nebraska Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio—it's all the same. It's just corn and soybean fields, and it's flat. And it's people in Connecticut, and we don't have mountains here. We're not in the Rockies, and we have the Berkshires out in western Connecticut, but we have little rolling hills. People from here that go out there are stunned at how flat that area is. You can see like a million miles horizontally. There's no hills. Did you find that emotion? Yes, and it's uh, you have to mentally adjust to that. And he's right; it is you know corn and soy, a lot of corn and soybean. But um, when you're going at like I said, ten to twelve miles an hour, you really can appreciate some of the differences between the between the states and how things are different, how the farms are different, and how the lay of the land. Oh, there there are some little there are some rolling hills in the in the center of Nebraska in the Sand Hills region and things like that. So. 
it's just uh, it's a very different perspective on the bicycle. Ray, where did you cross the Continental Divide? Uh, it was in Colorado. It was a uh, section on US 14 called Cameron Pass. Elevation? Uh, Ten or eleven? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't that bad. The first day, the first day out was bad. We went from below sea level to up around nine thousand, and it's a lot of switchbacks. And then you're in the Sierra Nevadas, and so I'm glad I got that out of the way the first day. But as far as you know, wow. yeah, it's all downhill from there. So to say, <laughs> um, <laughs> this this love of camping that you two share, I don't know what you're thinking. You can have that, man. I I am. I no way. I I camp for too long. I get me i you were talking about your stretching in the morning um the one thing that i did and i did well and that's and i can probably say that's the only thing i did well is i took ice baths every night that i could and it it absolutely changed how i rode the next day without question every day every day and it was i had a great crew as well um they experimented at one point when i was sore with horse liniment which i do not recommend especially on sunburnt legs don't do that um, but the ice bath, I believe, were absolutely crucial. Bill was and talking about going 10 to 12 miles an hour. Is it, that about the rate you were going? I was. My bike was a lot more lean um, because I didn't have the packs. So if I figured on, I could usually average around 15 because because I didn't have my packs. I didn't have, you know, I wasn't going on on uh, surfaces that that were like trails or 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 unpaved surfaces. So I was. I was moving pretty well, and, and I had road slicks on. So. Bill, where did you cross the continental divide? <clears throat> uh, in, in Montana, in my Montana area. Was uh, there a sign? Did you know when you passed it? Uh, no, I think it was near the Lookout Pass area. Is my estimate? There wasn't a like other bike trips where I've gone in Colorado. They have usually signs uh, indicating the pass when you're going over the continental divide. But we did not have a did, did not have that. Uh, um, uh, Neon sign telling us we, we did it. Yeah, I mean, five years ago, I drove on I-70 west of Denver, and there's a sign. You know when you're there after this big tunnel, the Eisenhower Tunnel they have up there. So when you crossed the divide, what was your approximate elevation at that point? He said 10. Yeah, 10 or 11. Right. What was yours, Bill? I'm, I'm guessing around 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 10, similarly. Yeah. And is it a gradual decline once you get east of the divide? It's, um, not, it's not. It's not dramatic, is it? No, it's it's interesting because I, the gentleman we talked to on the Erie Canal Trail was he was from Alaska and he he'd ridden out west before, but he hadn't ridden in the Northeast, and he was going across the country. He said, "Oh my gosh, the hills, toughest hills, the hills in the e in the east are tougher because of the steep the steepness. They're shorter, but the steepness yeah. of the grade just just the, wears the hills wears out, them out. The hills out west were." were built with purpose as opposed to paved cow paths. The the toughest one of the toughest hills I ever had was uh, Hogback Mountain in Vermont, southern Vermont. It just just right up going in from from Brattleboro into Wilmington. It just it was the incline was brutal. And then down in the Carolinas at one point, um, just very tough inclines. The Rockies and the Sierras were graded for, you know, for your your ride. Not here. Bill, when you wrapped up your ride, close to 4,000 miles on July the 30th, and you dipped that bike tire, tire ceremoniously into the Atlantic Ocean at Musquamacut, was there any ceremony involved? Did you just do it, get in the car and drive home, or what was that moment like for you? 
Um, personally, it was very uh, uh, rewarding. Uh, there was no real ceremony except my friends John and Beth Hankins were riling up the crowd <coughs> on the beach there. So people were frequent morning show guest here, by the way, John Hankins. Oh, yes. Yes. we talk trails all the time with John. <laughs> okay, he uh, they were they were getting the crowd stirred up. So people who I don't know from Adam were taking pictures of me. This one lady, uh, as, we're, as we're leaving, uh, basically handed me her phone and said, oh, this is my friend uh, who's, a, who's a big avid cyclist. Talk to him. So I saw the name Vic on the phone. So I said, hey, Vic, how you doing? And we just we chatted for you know, 30, 60 seconds about cycling, and that was it. So that was the, uh, that was the level of uh, ceremony that was involved with completing, other than having my friends there, which was v very rewarding to have a... Uh, Lifelong friends be there with me to complete this this travel. And as I remember from 2000, Ray, when you finished the bike for bread cross country ride, wasn't there a big deal down at the Wyndham Mills? There was, yeah. And that was, I mean, the the purpose of my trip, the purpose of our trip, <clears throat> was to raise fun money and awareness for Covenant Soup Kitchen, which you've not stopped doing since. I might no. add too. Or you're doing it before that. You did a Canada border down to Willimantic bike for bread also. Yeah. That was uh, 500 miles in five days, and so that was a that was a again it was a, to raise money for and awareness for Covenant Soup Kitchen. So the the community celebration was kind of a natural arm of that to be able to say, listen, this is you know I did the biking, yeah, perhaps, but we need to take care. We as a community need to take care of the those that are having trouble taking care of themselves and what i was very i was very pleased with what bike for bread accomplished but i'm i'm staggeringly proud of what it evolved into um the plunge for hunger came out of there and th that is something that everyone can do you can do it on a saturday morning in february and it, it came directly out of bike for bread and i'm i'm humbled by that do you recall what the approximate dollar value raised for your cross-country bike trip was in 2000 for the Covenant Soup Kitchen? I think the combination of the first bike for bread from Canada to Covenant Soup Kitchen and the second one from California to Covenant Soup Kitchen was somewhere up around 200000 And then the plunge for hunger, which has evolved past that, is we're over a million. And you also just wanted to put in a general plug for the Covenant Soup oh, Kitchen yeah. here in 2023 while you're here. Thank you. Um, we've seen an uptick um, within the last couple of weeks that is unrivaled. Uh, I mean, even unrivaled during COVID. You, on Monday morning, on Monday, I got a text from the executive director, Kimberly, Kimberly Clark, who is a fantastic, uh, probably the best thing that's happened to the kitchen in my tenure there. Um, saying that we serve 3,000 meals on Monday alone. That is obviously involving pantry, food to go, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That is unrivaled, and that has been the trajectory for about a week. And so as a result, our stocks and our, our supplies are being depleted. So my ask, my ask to the community is the same ask that I always have. What can you do to help? Well, we need food. We need non-perishable foodstuffs. We need... Um, personal hygiene, we need diapers, we need incontinence supplies, we need toiletries, we need anything that you would need in your own home. But food right now is, uh, food and diapers are the big bite. So um, if you can, please drop some off at the corner of Walnut and Valley Street and Wilmanic, uh, some donations. And if you can't do it, go to covenantsoupkitchen.org and see what you can do. donate online. 
Thank you, Wayne. Timely announcement from <coughs> Mr. Bike for Bread himself, Ray Aramini. Bill Penn of Andover, going back to you and your cross-country ride, what was the motivation for this in the first place? Was there a, a personal challenge that you wanted to see if you could do it? Was that part of the goal? That was it. The, the challenge of doing it and the experience of doing it, of seeing the, seeing the country were the two real motivations. Um, it's, you know, I've keep track you know you keep track of your miles how many miles you do in a year you know the goals have evolved evolved over time now that you're tired you can ride more so you know you, you change it you change your goals but that was something that um you, know, you hear of people doing and you just say wow i wonder if i can if i can accomplish that and that was that was a good a good part of it was there some part of americana were there small towns that you rode through or maybe even stayed in or around it really tickles your fancy. Just some of the the cool small town places you saw along the ride. Yeah, there was one in eastern Washington. I remember distinctly. We were actually. It's great because many 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 states or towns will allow people to camp in their in their town parks. So that was that was one wonderful. You know, we a minimal fee. You have a shower. You have a bath. You have a bathroom. Uh, you have water available. So, but this one little town we were in there had a, had a brewery, which. Was, was nice also and uh <laughs> we went to the brewery we're talking we're talking to the, the the owner and the brewer and stuff like that and we we spent a couple hours there having dinner and talking conversing with them and he was talking about his grandfather who his father who's a farmer who's in his 80s and still farms and stuff and the the town is kind of sleepy and you can see there's a there's a nice restaurant that seemed to have gone out of business after i think he said seven years or something like that just didn't didn't wasn't didn't survive and he said his father was telling him how you know maybe it's a good thing in some ways that the highway went did not go through this town he said that our town would look very different if the highway had gone through, and I, I got a flavor of that when you're crossing the country and you're going through places in which all the, ta the these centers have a, you know, everybody has a subway, everybody has a Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or whatever, and they're KFC. all this, this whole, yes, exactly, KFC. This homogeneity of things, and and uh, you know, you, you're seeing this small town, and this town, even if it was struggling at times, it still had its own. Mm unique character and i um that was one little town uh, rosalia washington that i really really enjoyed great story bill where did you cross how did you cross the mississippi uh in iowa um just some highway bridge uh yeah just so we we picked our route and it's like okay this is where we're gonna cross we we actually deliberated about that because there was one crossing that my companion was talking about doing and it was a steel steel grid bridge and i don't know why but for some reason i got panic stricken about doing this long ride over a steel grid bridge uh Bur burbridge is what you've heard him called in new england many times uh with all my gear and stuff on and i just said no i said we gotta we gotta pick a different location so we picked a different different right. location and how did you cross the hudson um that was in Albany area, where the the uh, 
one thing that would be nice to see Connecticut develop is uh, New York has developed this Empire State Trail, which includes the Erie Canal going east-west and a somewhat newly developed trail going north-south from New York up to up to Canada. So we crossed on the Empire State Trail right there, right there in Albany, and it was a direction process of doing construction there. So it was a little little odd, and, and but we figured it out, and it was uh, it was actually well signed and well well uh, well written out. I got an email here from one of our regular listeners, Bill Briggs, who says, Great stories and great accomplishments from both you guys. Can't help thinking of Mike Beatty all by himself, 12,000 or so miles. I'm thinking he was about 67. Then he says, Thanks for a great interview and conversation. Ray, your thoughts on Mr. Beatty? Uh, Mike's a great guy. I remember he called me um, <clears throat> before he went out and asked for, you know, some tips, and I just shared with him what I could. Um, but you know, you just got to get out there and take a bite at it. Just bite it and, and go. Um, you're going to find out what works for you. You're going to, and that's, that's really the adventure of it. Um, you were talking about that little town. Um, uh, my little town was Austin, Nevada and where you just, you, you ate at a restaurant that also served as like an antique store and a post office. And you sat on the, the front step of the of the hotel and you would you know you'd you'd have a, a beer and you would just watch traffic go by at night we finished <laughs> up early it was it was the the best town that i went through i absolutely loved it yeah nice so uh, lastly bill penn you've just pedaled nearly four thousand miles across the country do you think you might want to do it again sometime um, yes, I, I like oh, to, I would love man. to do <laughs> more long distance uh, bike bike touring, and, and uh, my spouse was nice enough to let me take these you know, se six, 70 days away from her, and uh, so I'll, I'll take a year sabbatical next year. But in 2025, I'm hoping to ride the East Coast Greenway from Key West, Florida, to Calais, Maine, basically starting in March, and follow spring follow spring up the coast. Bill, looking forward to seeing you on the Hop River Trail somewhere down the road. I'll be the guy walking, you be the guy riding. We'll see you down the road. Sounds good. Thank you, Wayne. Biker boy, Ray Aramini, always a pleasure to see you. And boy, this community, can't thank you enough for all the great work you've done for the Covenant Soup Kitchen and for the community in general. Thank you very much. It is a great community. Thank you, Wayne. Bill Penn, Ray Aramini, Biker Boys, <laughs> excellente. On 14 WILI Willimannic and 95.3 FM.